The following program is sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. Well, you might remember at the end of last year, Ken Crowther had been to the Tiptree Fruit Farms to look at a new development. It was just starting. It was being built from a sea of mud. Well, works continued apace and Ken has been back to Tiptree to see just how close to completion that project is. Just let's explain again what this is about, this new unit. So it's forward thinking, um, the business has to be so, we have to consider uh, optimising the land rather than uh, building on more parts of the land, so it's much better this way. And we should get twice as much fruit in this new state-of-the-art um, facility, so we're very proud of it so far, but the results will be at the end of the season. <laughs> that's always the way, isn't it? You never know <laughs> till the fruit is on the table. That's isn't it, it? That's, right. that's right. So it's got sliding benches that you, you in other words, the space is... is you just said space is optimised isn't it there's just no wastage in space no no it's optimised by the um, fruit being suspended and uh, without any gaps so you can drop um, rows as you require so if you imagine walking through basically a glass house walking through and seeing the tunnels and the rows dropping down um, very very intelligent system and all computer controlled yeah, it Pretty is. Well. Uh, there is, of course, the backup of the human um, for, for controlling it should the electrics fail. Um, but it's there to support the pickers as opposed to replace. So we would require more people potentially to pick in this area as opposed to machines replacing people. So when's it going to be planted up? We're aiming to plant ready for this summer, so we are going to be planting it and we have three different varieties that are going to go in here as well because we have to make sure that, bearing in mind this is a trial, we have to see what performs well. We also want to be able to go back to the board and say, hey, it did really work. We, we, we know we asked for the investment, but there's a reason. So we need to make sure it works. So planting will happen when? February, March? Yeah, February, March planting, um, ready for Everbearer plants, so Triumph, They'll be producing Marana. about, what, June time? Yeah, June, June's about right, and it's, it's incredible to think back that many years ago you would put it in the ground, wait a year, hope that it grows. It's very, very different to maybe an ornamental strawberry because we expect so much from them. I just think it's incredible, you know, when you think that we came down here, we were knee deep in mud originally looking at it about a couple of months ago and now it's pretty well there you'll be planting it up um similar sort of way i suppose using using the um you know the coir type that's correct the the coir bag so the coconut husk will be the same thing so principally it's the same as what we've got but there's a way of being able to get almost twice as much in an area Sounds great, and I will be down here in, well, June time, do you reckon, to taste the fruit? I think that would be fair, wouldn't it? Ken Crowther for World Radio Gardening, speaking to Anton Thurgood at Tiptree Fruit Farms. And more from Tiptree before the end of the programme. But we go from fruit to vegetables now. Andrew McTurk farms at Colcott Hall, and he's been talking to Ken about the cold spell that we've just had and how good it is, or otherwise, for his collies. Well, back at Calcott Hall Farm in Brentwood in Essex, and I've stopped, Andrew, from doing a bit of ploughing. Morning, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) So there we are, your tractor's ready to go again, but, um, you know, we've had a lovely lot of cold weather. Has that actually helped the farm? Oh, yeah. Always cold weather helps. It kills bugs. Well, we hope it kills bugs. We don't know until later. Stops the slugs and things and and breaks the soil down and, uh, oh, does a lot more good than harm. 
Now, the area we're standing on, I take it, had brassicas in it, didn't it? Yeah, and this... I can smell it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is our, our cauliflower field, and we, where we stand now, the kale and stuff was, which we, we finished cutting two or three weeks ago, and now we're just a case of ploughing under, getting ready for next season. Now, cauliflowers, I heard on another radio station that cauliflowers are the food of this year. Everybody's eating cauliflower. It's very trendy. Um, Have you found it trendy? <laughs> no, I wouldn't call it trendy. It has been very popular, mainly because there's been there's been a huge glut of, uh, of right through. Because up until just recently, such mild weather, everybody's crop came together, and there's been cauliflower very very cheap. And I think actually it's more 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 to, more to do with it. <laughs> An awful lot of cauliflowers have been sold, whether it's because it's healthy. I mean, it is healthy, obviously, yeah. um, but uh, I haven't noticed uh, that much difference other than the price. Right, so the price went down, did it? It went down and stayed down um, right through. We, we, we didn't get over a pound, I think, in our farm shop uh, at all. You know, at Christmas, that's un unbelievable. Sometimes we've gone to sort of 152 pounds. incredible, yeah, isn't it? So has the mild spell that we've gone through the early part of this winter with, has that had a dramatic effect on the cost of veg? Has it pushed them down? Yes, it well, but hasn't allowed it to go up. There have been no weather shortages and there's been plenty of everything all the time. And, and so it, 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 everybody's harvested. I think there will be a shortfall coming up probably any time now um, where so many crops were so far forward, um, they're, they're, you can only harvest them once. Well, once they're gone, they're gone. Yes, I think there could well be a, a shortfall now um, be, be before the, the fresh uh, new crop comes in. But of course nowadays you've always got the same problem. There's always somebody imported from somewhere. And the cold spell, does that have a similar sort of effect? I mean, because surely if something's coming forward and then it gets stopped heavily, does that have an effect? No, uh, not really. The, the, the biggest effect of the cold spell is that people start eating their greens and things more so then. Because um, consumption of fresh stuff tends to go up because people want hearty meals. So from that point of view, the cold weather's very good. Um, but but, but it... it, it there's such a wealth of produce about from somewhere in the world, then there's always something going to fill the gap. So it's not like it used to be, is it, when you first no, started no, farming? No, that's, that's, that's right, nothing's like it used to be. <laughs> so what have we got to look forward to? You know, you know it, you're, you're just talking about cold spells, you therefore go towards greens and kales and that sort of thing, and people having, I suppose, stews and casseroles. So you sell more of the sort of um, swedes and turnips? Yeah, the more the basic veg. That, that, that's, that's, this is the time for that. And, of course, some of those things, of course, are stored. I mean, carrots are stored, albeit in the ground, but they're strawed over and things. They're protected from the worst of weather, so they're there for when people want. And the same, same with swede and so, Swede, to a certain extent, grown in the milder places and a certain amount of cover over them. So, I mean, people have got systems now for, for keeping things going and of course this is the time of year when the the east coast of kent where it's frost free and of course cornwall lots of veggies grown in those areas which don't suffer nearly as badly as we do up here in, in, in the hard weather so really it's 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 a it's a, like a sort of gap period isn't it really? oh, yes, where you're yeah, sort of yeah. using vegetable from last year before the new crops come before in before the new stuff comes through that's right it'll be I imagine in, 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 in some of those warm places, certainly down in Cornwall, they'll have planted new potatoes probably by now, or certainly made a start at doing them. And, and the, the, the circle you can't imagine again. here. No, can't, you? can't imagine, especially at the moment. What will be the first thing that you will get in the ground here then? Um, we probably won't be anything much for spring green and things. We'll probably plant spring green, um, things like beetroot and things like that we get in relatively early. But even so, we'll still be talking about 
we won't do anything much for April. So that's quite a long way oh, ahead. Quite a long it? way, yeah. So in the farm shop itself, what what is selling well at this time of year? I mean, you into several oranges because people make, do people still make marmalade? Oh, tremendous! I think well, we sell bundles of uh, Seville's we did this year, and we've still got a few going now. But uh, it, it seems to carry on much the same. And, we always thought it was the older generation it would fade out, but it, there's enough new people out there doing it and, and very, very successful and because pe people like it. It isn't that much trouble and they can t churn something out that is their own, that they've got their own stamp on it and how they like it and so on. So, But oranges in general have been, this year, have been really, really good. Is that the good quality? Excellent quality, um, sensible price, and, and, and just sold volumes of them seem to know. I think it's also the health kick. They are a very healthy... Way to, way to eat your way through. Not red enough, though, are they? We have to have red things, yeah, don't we, to do make it healthy? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so really, what we're saying is that, you know, and I said right at the beginning about the cauliflowers and being trendy, but media actually has quite an influence, it? because what you're saying is this healthy living thing, which is pushed through media, isn't it? Television oh, yes. and radio. I mean, in many ways, you can't understand why it isn't even more successful because the five a day thing has been about for years now and they still push it and still people don't eat enough veg but in general if you can make a smoothie with it or or any incorporate it in anything else people are, vegetables is the one area or fruit and vegetables should i say is the area all the chefs measure on they always include it because it it it, it puts goodness in it's a relatively cheap part of it and 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 they can do innovative things with it so, we can find you on the website, can't we? Yes, calcuthall.com. Ken Crowther from World Radio Gardening speaking with Andrew McTurk in the middle of a field of cauliflowers at Colcott Hall in Brentwood. Sponsored by Wilkin & Sons, established in 1885. Thank you for listening to our podcasts. You can find them updated regularly at World Radio Gardening. Just visit our website. Well, we return to Tiptree, home of Wilkin & Son, where you would expect us to be talking about fruits. But not always. Fruit isn't everything, although it plays a pretty big part in the business of Wilkin & Son. But what about the wildlife? Anton Thurgood has been speaking to Ken about the importance of country life. Anton, as um, we look round the farm here at Tiptree, you know, you're producers of fruit. I mean, that, that's what the idea is, isn't it, really? Principally, yeah. Principally, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if, if I sort of look about a bit, there's a lot of fields that are, some are down, down to grass. There's one here that is just, you know, rough. Over here, we've got another one that's got long grass in it. Can you explain why this happens and why, you know, on a fruit farm, you've got so much land that actually is not producing fruit at this moment? Yeah, there's a number of different reasons and factors that we have around the farm. We don't just produce fruit, although principally that's the aim. We're also a leaf demonstration farm. Um, for those that don't know, leaf is linking environment and farming. We're very proud of that status and we farm in accordance to those uh, rules. So the, the larger, longer grass, for example, um, encourages wildlife. We've taken corners out of production. Uh, we've put wider rows, hedge rows we've planted, um, perhaps 23 kilometres, somebody said. That's a lot, um, it? It is, but it's a responsibility that that we as a business have. Uh, we planted 1,500 native woodland trees, for example, and that's required to encourage bees, wildlife, um, muntjac, and particularly hares, which apparently are in decline, but not round our farm. <laughs> so do you, you know, some areas that you might put, um, you know, strawberries in or raspberries in or even more tunnels, do you actually run them fallow like you would 
you know, say a farmer moves from, say, growing um, sugar beet and then grows a barley or a wheat. Is that yeah. the same sort of principle? It, it is. Um, I say is, was, what's the right way of putting it? Um, we, we, years ago, when we were planting in the ground, the benefit that you would get from perhaps a cereal crop, which is what this field will have been, uh, would have benefited the fruit and vice versa. The benefit of the nutrients that the fruit puts back into the ground um, would benefit the cereal. So it rotated that way. But because that we now grow on tabletop or with different methods, there's not the um, reliance upon that. So we are seeing some of the areas that are now put to grass, put to seed, um, and it's quite a nice feeling to drive around the farm and see all that. It's great to be a working farm, but it's also nice to see the wildlife. So it's, it's not becoming so important because you're not growing as much in the ground. Right. However, top fruit, Again, encourages wildlife again, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So the top fruit encourages it, the birds, um, squirrels. We get a few squirrels that like the trees, of course. Uh, and, it, and it just encourages the wildlife back in. So it's not all the top fruit that we may put in. We've got a suggestion of making some of the area for green gauge, um, depending on what we're going to do going forward. But we have to farm responsibly. Um, we have to make sure that we are responsible for the uh, eco uh, ecology side of things for the business. Very, very important. And we do the right things. That's what we're known for. And there's nothing wrong with doing the right thing. Anton Thurgood from Wilkin and Son speaking to Ken Crowther for World Radio Gardening. And that brings to an end this edition of World Radio Gardening's podcast. Come back to our website regularly because the next one will be there before you've even thought about it. Thank you for listening and tell a friend. This programme was sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers, established in 1885.